0: So this morning we're going to be reading from John chapter 10, and we're going to read from verses 11 right through to 30. So read along with me. Uh, Let me lead you. John chapter 10, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he is a demon, and he's is insane, why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. This morning, Martin's going to be sharing the word with us, and I'm going to invite him up here and and just pray for him as he uh, leads us in the word. Martin Martin is um, those of you that don't know Martin. Martin is interning with us, or has been interning with us this year. He works with us one day a week, and it's been a crazy year to kind of work with a team and not work with a team, and having to be online and um, and in his other life. Martin is also a nurse, a psych nurse, and works really hard in that area as well. But We're really happy to have Martin, and I really want to encourage you just to hear what God has put on his heart to share with us this morning, and I'm going to pray for him before he does that. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for Martin. Thank you for the words that you've placed in his heart, the passion that you've given him for your word, and Lord, we pray, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would inspire him this morning, that the words he speaks would be words that that you've prepared for our hearts to hear. Open our hearts to hear the words Mm -hmm. and to walk them out. Lord, will you be with him in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Andrew.
1: Good morning, church. Um, Thanks, Pastor Andrew, once again. Um, Before I begin, first of all, I just want to say a big thank you to all of you. Um, It has been about seven months Uh, since I've been coming to One Hope Community Church. And I think it's fair to say that the love that God has shown through Jesus and through One Hope Community Church is beyond my words. Um, You know, I like Chris Tomlin and one of his songs goes like, If my heart is a cup, your love is like an ocean. And I think I can resonate with that um, for the love that I received for the last seven months. So thank you. And I praise God for you all. And October is Pastor's Appreciation Month. So I just want to say thank you to Pastor Andrew, <laughs> Pastor Bill, and Pastor Kate. We do praise for you. And praise God for you for all the, all the works you have done and you're doing. And especially Pastor Andrew who is discipling me. And also Pastor Bill who has taught me and also who is teaching me how to preach the Word of God faithfully. I'm so thankful. Before we expand on the word of God, how about we pray together? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for this great salvation that Jesus Christ, our Lord, died and rose again for our sins. And we can come to you with boldly, with confidence, knowing that we are forgiven, we are free, we are saved, and we are safe in your arms. Father, you know how small, how weak I am. It is true, Lord, apart from you, I can do nothing. So, would you empower me with your Holy Spirit? Would you strengthen me? Father, I pray that this preaching will be also uh, become a worship. Help me to exalt and praise Jesus. Help me to glorify Jesus. Help me to show how great Jesus is. Would you do that? Let the meditation of our heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight, my rock, my savior. In just now, I pray. Amen. Well, have you ever wondered why God calls us as His sheep? Think about it. Why not a tiger? with clothes and a sharp teeth, like, ah, right? Or a bear with a massive body, which is much stronger, powerful, and more independent. Well, which means they can survive themselves, right? Well, you might be saying, Martin, but look, um, but then what will be the role of God? The strong animals do not need herdsmen like shepherds. They're too strong. Okay, fair enough. Then why not a horse as an alternative? We can be called as a horse, and God can call himself as a horse trainer. Yeah? Horses, although they are not as powerful as tigers and bears, they can run fast. Uh, They are known to be fearless in battles. So they're much better than sheep, right? But let us think, why did God call us as his sheep? Out of this, all these animals, why sheep? Why? Let us talk about sheep. Sheep are prey animals, which means they're always in danger of being attacked by the predators, like the wolves, they are weak, defenseless and did you know that if sheep falls to their back they cannot pick themselves up and the shepherd has to come quickly and lift the sheep. if this is not done soon enough they'll probably die and imagine it right imagine what the sheep looks like they're fluffy yeah they're cute I know but they're wolves need to be maintained by the shepherd because the wool grows endlessly. And if the wool is not caught on a regular basis, oh, they are prone to get an infection and die. You see, sheep are totally dependent on the shepherd for their well-being, longevity, and survival. So the survival of, of the sheep depends not on the sheep itself but on the quality and the nobility of the shepherd. Think about it this way. If the sheep are under the care of good and faithful shepherd, their life is secured and preserved. But if the sheep are under the bad shepherd, you guessed it right, their destruction Is for sure. Now, if you grasp this, if if this message, if you understand this message, this message will be the greatest consolation, comfort, hope in your life. But if you miss this, you will remain uncertain, anxious, and hopeless. So please, listen to me very carefully. Now, the fourth point of my sermon is the call of the Good Shepherd. The call of the Good Shepherd. So understand the context of this John chapter 10 properly. You should know this. In Australia, when you think about the sheep farm, you often imagine a huge number of sheep and the sheep dogs who bark from behind to mobilize the sheep, right? But in Near Eastern, Near Eastern, like Israel, which is the place where this chapter is taking place, the way sheep are managed is very different. In the Near Eastern, even now, when it is time to move, move to a different place, the shepherd gathers his sheep by making a strange noise that his sheep knows. So just imagine, right? Imagine a shepherd who knows his sheep, and as the shepherd calls, the sheep responds, man, and and gather around the shepherd. And when the shepherd has called all of his sheep, he goes before them. He leads the way. So this is how it works in Israel. Now, having this in mind, let us look at verse 27. I'll read it to you guys. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Let us pay attention to my sheep hear my voice. Jesus did not say the sheep hear my voice. What did Jesus say? He said my sheep hear my voice. So Jesus is clearly making a distinction here. And the intention of Jesus using my sheep become more clear when we look at the verse prior to this. In verse 26, Jesus says this to the Jews who do not believe in Him. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. So it is obvious, it is obvious that Jesus is referring to a person <coughs> as sheep. Well, doesn't this ring a bell? You remember a sermon by Pastor Andrew on the unconditional election? Well, let us look at uh, John chapter 8, verse 47. I'll read it to you uh, as well. This is Jesus saying to the Jews again Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. So it is clear that there are people who belong to Jesus and who are not. Yeah, here's a similar contrast. According to Jesus, why were some of the Jews not able to hear the word of God? Because they did not belong to God. Now, Jesus said he knows his sheep. Now, this Greek word, know, does not mean knowing someone superficially. You know, we often say, yeah, I know so and so. That's not what he's saying here. Imagine husband and wife. I'm not married yet, but just imagine husband and wife relationship, knowing deeply, knowing really, really well. That's what knowing means. And as a result of Jesus knowing his ship, the ship followed Jesus, not vice versa. Jesus knows his ship, so the ship follows Jesus. Do you remember irresistible grace sermon by Pastor Andrew? How it was God in His grace, in His love who enabled us to believe and follow Him. Now, at the same time, this also means those who do not belong to Jesus, do not listen to His voice, does not not know them, and they do not follow Jesus. This theme is all over the Gospel of John. I will read it out to you. John chapter 1, the very first chapter, Verse 12 to 13 says, But to all who did receive him, that's Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And attention to the next verse, Who were not not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So it is clear clear that Jesus is saying, and John is saying through the Bible, he's emphasizing the sovereignty of God. It's a big word, right? Which means God's absolute authority in saving us. Now, some of you might be thinking, so Martin, that's, uh, that sounds pretty good. Uh, but are you saying that God has already decided whom to save, whom not to save? How is this fair? How come? Okay, let me reason with you for a second. What does the Bible say about the wages of sin? We all know that this. Yes, the price of sin is death. And what does the Bible say about man? No one is good, not even one. And that all have sinned. Now, here is what I'm trying to say. Imagine today... It's a beautiful weather, by the way, but let's say today the whole earth blows up, the whole earth blows up, and we all die in our sin, and we all end up in hell without knowing Christ. This is exactly what we deserve. That's how hideous sin is. But when God decides to save some people out of His love and mercy, this is called grace. You see that? And now you may be thinking, okay, fine. Here's my second objection. Did God make us like a robot? It seems like you're telling us all our paths are ordained by God, which is all our paths are decided by God. Good question. I believe the the quotations from Dr. D.A. Carson and Dr. Jewel Beeky will help us to answer this. So you need to pick up your ear now also look at the screen. Dr. Carson said, "Human accountability and responsibility does not jeopardize God's sovereignty, and God's sovereignty is not threatened by human accountability." So, Bible mentions both. God ordains and plans the whole thing, yeah, out of His good pleasure, and men are still responsible. For their actions. Joel Biki says this, just as the rails of train track, which run parallel to each other, appear to merge in the distance, so the doctrine of God's sovereignty and man's responsibility, which seem separate from each other in this life, will merge in eternity. Listen to this very carefully. Our task is not to force their merging in this life, but to keep them in balance and to live accordingly. So it is a mystery like the Trinity. We can know about it, but not fully comprehend it. We live it as the Bible says it is, without diminishing the sovereignty of God and exalting and lifting man's free will. I hope it is clear. As we have firmly established this, let us go deeper into how Jesus saves us and what does that look like. So my second point is, the role of the good shepherd. Well, let us look at verse 28. chapter 10, verse 28. Jesus said, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Here he says, I, that's Jesus, right? I give them eternal life. So, Jesus is giving eternal life. It's not conditional. Rather, it is a free gift to His sheep. Imagine this way. Think about this way. Let's say it is your birthday. Well, my birthday was on 5th of October and Pastor Andrew's birthday was also in October. So, think about it's your birthday today and you receive a birthday gift. You say, thank you so much. And you Pay for the gift? No, it is no longer a gift if you pay for it, if you have a contribution to the gift. And if you do that, the giver of the gift might be offended by that. You see? In the same way, the gift of eternal life is not conditional, we contribute nothing. It is unconditional. Yes, you and I contribute nothing. To this gift and th- God takes all the glory. It is Jesus' free gift to his sheep out of, sheer, out of his sure grace and love. Now, uh, let's look at the word eternal life. There are two meanings for this word. One is the abundant life, as mentioned in John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus said, He came that his sheep may have life and have it abundantly. But also the word says, as the word says, it also means having the abundant life forever. See, a, there's, there's two meanings to that. So it is about, it is talking about the quality and the quantity of the life. Well, it will make more it will make much more sense if you look at the following sentences. Jesus said, his sheep will never perish and none will snatch them out of his hand. Pay careful attention to the word never. This Greek word is used in John chapter 6 verse 37 as well. This is Jesus saying, All that the Father gives me will come to me. Whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Now, uh, let us also read chapter 10 verse 29. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Here the word never means, literally, never. Think about it. Jesus is the good and noble shepherd that ensures the security of his sheep. He's the good shepherd who never makes a mistake. He's the good shepherd that never loses even one of his sheep. Because he's good, almighty, and a faithful God. (laughs) And as if that is not enough. As you can see, Jesus gives double absolute security for our salvation. Jesus mentions his father, who is greater than all, keeps his sheep. By saying that no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. So you see the parallel in the statements that Jesus made. Jesus and God are in total agreement to keep the sheep safe. Preserve them eternally. That's why Jesus said in verse 30 that he and the Father are one. So what is he saying there? He's saying... They are in perfect harmony, and in agreement in what they do. Well, let us pause here and ponder about this for a second. The God of this universe, who made heaven and the earth, is preserving us, and he's guaranteeing our safety? He's sustaining us? He's guaranteeing our safety? He will never forsake us despite our sin? He's working for our good and nothing can separate us from His love? As Romans 8.20 says, Just think about it. Don't you think this will get rid of all your anxiety and your burden in you, huh? your heart? Give you strength to get up in the morning despite the current troubles in your life? Don't you think in spite of all the turmoil in your life, you can say to yourself, I'm safe? Don't you think this will give you strength to run to Jesus when you struggle with your sins? Don't you think knowing this truth will give you desire, desire to serve Him even more? Don't you think this will truly humble you as you know it is ultimately God who works within you to preserve you. Yes, the guarantee of our security is not in us, but in God's faithfulness, in preserving us. Think about this way. Uh, when you buy food from Coles, every eatable item has an expired date, right? I'm sure we are familiar with the second law of thermodynamics that says, as time passes by, things get worse, right? But remember, the grace of God does not have expiry date. The preservation of God does not have an expiry date. And did you know that your life has an expiry date? God's grace does not have an expiry date. It lasts forever. So from today, whenever you go to uh, for a shopping or into the market, you can remind yourself as you check the expiry date. Yes, everything on this earth has an expiry date. But there is no expiry date in God's preserving grace. I'm safe, I'm secured, as I'm preserved by God and he will safely lead me home. But um, just make sure you don't stand there too long. Because uh, people have to pick their stuff too. you. see, this message is a perfect antidote for your anxiety and uncertainty and gives you divine peace and confidence to go throughout the day. How relieving living. Is it that securing your faith is not based on your faithfulness, but in God's preserving grace? So I want to plead with you to remember Christ's faithfulness and embed yourself there. Don't look into yourself for power, strength, and perseverance. You look outside of yourself. Please do not buy the lie of today's Western culture way of thinking. It's philosophy. They say, follow your heart. Or they say, unleash the power that is within you. (laughs) Our society idolizes individualism. They praise stoicism and love to show, I can do it myself, I can do it myself. We think too highly of ourselves. I like how Tim Keller said, "Our, our ego is like a massive balloon with no substance in it. Yes, one prick, and it's gone. That's why we're so offended. And because of this kind of philosophy and kind of thinking, we do not see the need for preserving grace. Or even worse, even Christians, we are offended by, we are are offended by, they say, how dare you? How dare you say, I'm, I'm utterly hopeless. I'm utterly hopeless by my own. I have something to contribute. Well, my brothers and sisters, one of the first steps to true comfort is acknowledging that you are weak, that you are in desperate needs of this preserving grace. Well, I want to say this directly to our young people, uh, including myself, I guess I'm young, sorry. <laughs> young people, all right? Including our youth group, young adult group. Listen to me very carefully. Do not buy this lie that praise man's power, man's will, and tells you in your schools, in your uni, says impossible is nothing. Yeah, you heard that from somewhere. You can be whatever you want. Yes, you have a God in you. You do you. Really? No, I say to you, you do Jesus. How? You look, you look outside of yourself for strength, power, and guidance by looking on to Jesus. Think about countless resolutions you made 1st of January. Did you keep them? I didn't. Think about countless decisions you made after the Sunday sermon. I forget about it by Tuesday. Think about how your soul prompt to wonder from God. And just honestly examine your life. This will lead you to look outside of yourself. Because you'll find you're hopeless. But when you ultimately look to Christ, you find hope. You might be asking, how do I do that? Give me some practical steps." Well, look to Christ through the Bible and prayer. You might be saying, the same old application. Read your Bible more. Pray more. Really? Let me ask you this question that I ask for myself whenever I think that way. Have you mastered this book? Have you found all the riches of the truth that are contained in this book? Have you really read it all? Do you know what this book is really talking about? You see, humility will lead us to see the desperate needs for God's preserving grace. And God uses His words, the gospel, and our prayer as a tool to preserve us. You persevere to do this. Why? Because God has preserved you in Jesus. So you persevere. Why? Not because you want to contribute, but because you're already preserved by God. And to our turbo kids, if you're still with your parents, well done. Let me explain this way for you. Imagine that your parent, parents buy your toy, right? That needs assembling, that needs to be put together. And as you receive the toy, what do you look for? You look for manual and instruction to assemble the toy, to put it together. <laughs> but let's say you lost the manual and decided to follow your own imagination. Oh yes, yes. And you do it the way you feel like it. By doing that, you'll be worried, you'll be uncertain, You'll not be sure about what you're doing. And probably you're going to mess it up, right? Now, you, now do you know the manual of your life that God, uses, God, that God uses to keep you on the track? The Bible. You should remember the Bible is our guide and our only manual. Why? Because we are weak and we need so much of God's help. And God speaks through this Bible to guide us. And make sure to do this because Jesus loves you, because he has rescued you, and he will keep you. Now, quite a few of you might be thinking, but Martin, hold on. At the same time, don't you think giving too much assurance will lead people to think, I can do whatever I want. Yes, I'm saved. I'm preserved. I'll use this message as a license to sin. Let me explain this way for you. Now, what makes Christianity different from all the other religions? It's this, we obey God, we strive to live holy life, not to earn God's favor, but because we are already favored by God. All the other religions, Islam, Hinduism, Baha'ism, spiritualism, you call it. They have one thing in common. They say, you, do, do, do. You do. Pray five times a day. Keep this. Keep that. And you will somehow make it to heaven. You'll somehow make it to good place. So, salvation, preservation, depends on our action according to other religion. Well, but Christianity offers much better news. Jesus has already preserved us has done all the work for us to be saved. So now you obey God, because God preserves you through the perseverance of Jesus, which means we can truly obey God out of love and thankfulness. A truly saved person can fall into sin. Some great ones, yes, but will not end up abusing this message. Rather, it will lead that person to the faithful, joyful path in serving God more fervently. Like in Luke chapter 22 verse 31. Jesus says this to the Peter. You'll remember this. Simon, Simon, that's Peter. Behold, Satan demands to have you. That he might shift you like wind. But I pray for you. That your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again. Strengthen your brothers. Here we get to know who no one is. Do you remember Jesus said no one is able to snatch them out of his hand? That no one is Satan. Jesus told Peter that he will be tempted and stumble because of Satan. But Jesus prayed for him so that his faith may not fail. <laughs> did Peter abuse his grace? And did whatever he wants? No, it became a great comfort and consolation. To persevere in following Christ. Now this brings us to our third point. So the question is. What did Jesus persevere? So that God can preserve us. Please turn with me to John chapter 10 verse 11. Verse 11 to 18. We're going to read it out together. All right. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is hired man and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and and I know the father. and I have authority to take it again. This charge I received from the Father. Well, you might have realized that there are many verses that says, I lay down my life. Jesus mentions five times in these eight verses. He mentions that he's the good shepherd who does not only risk his life, but actually lays his life down voluntarily. To preserve his sheep, how Matthew twenty six thirty one says, "Our tried the shepherd." Our good shepherd, Jesus, was struck. Yes, he was nailed to the cross for our sins. Do you remember one of the last words of Jesus before he died? Jesus said, "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" Jesus was forsaken in our place so that we could be preserved and accepted. Jesus, our King, persevered through perfect obedience on earth. He was tempted in every way like we are, but never sinned and endured the suffering on the cross to pay for our sins. This is not the end of the story. You you see, Jesus did not merely make salvation possible, but He definitely died for our sins. For his sheep and his elect. Jesus died and took the wrath of God. Which was supposed to fall on you and I. Yes. He drank our hell. So that we may enjoy drinking the spring of water. Welling up to eternal life. Look at John chapter 10 verse 17b. I lay down my life. That I may take it up again. Yes. Jesus rose again, victoriously defeating death and securing our salvation forever. You may think, okay, uh, we have heard this before. We all know this. Uh, so he's, Jesus' work on the earth was done. He's done now. So He's in heaven, resting at the right hand of the Father Almighty. Actually, no. Jesus is still working for us. Jesus is praying for us in the heaven. In Hebrews seven twenty-five, 25 says, Therefore, He, Jesus, is able to save completely those who come to Him, through Him, come to God through Him, because He lives to intercede for them. Jesus is working to take care of us right now. He's praying for us. And the third person of the Trinity, Holy Spirit, is in us to help and strengthen us. And God assures through his spirit, that we are children of God. One uh, of community church, what better security do we need? What better assurance do we have? We can truly resonate with Isaiah 411 when, he, when Isaiah said, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lamb in his arm, carries them close to his heart. He gently lays, The nursing you use. How beautiful. How wonderful. Are there some of you who haven't experienced this great blessing yet? Are you longing for everlasting peace and joy as you hear this message? Can I say something? It's not too late. Come to Jesus as you are. It does not matter what you have done in the past. It really does not matter. Repent, turn from your sin, and trust that Jesus Christ died through your sins and rose again. And your souls will be preserved eternally as well. Do not delay. You may not have tomorrow. And for us, to those who believe, what can we say? We worship Him. What a great salvation is this. What a great redemption. What a great assurance. What a comfort. What a hope we have in Jesus. It is true. When Martin Luther said, as Pastor Andrew mentioned, he said this, When I look at myself, I do not see how I can be saved. But when I look at Jesus, I don't see how I can be lost. You are saved because Jesus is the good and great shepherd who persevered for your eternal preservation. Let us stand in order, in worship, marvel at this great salvation that is in Jesus, that God initiates and God brings to completion by sheer sure grace. And the contribution we have made, the sin that made the cross of Jesus Christ necessary. Nothing more, nothing less out of this amazing grace, let us greatly, humbly acknowledge God in every corner of our lives and give God praise for His greatness. We can truly say with a psalmist, Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. Because of your unfailing love and faithfulness. Praise be to God. Let's pray. Father, what can we say Lord but give you all the glory. You are the one who saved us, who is preserving us and leading us safe to you. Lord, help us to remember whenever we look at ourselves and get anxious whenever we see ourselves and be hopeless, whenever we see our circumstances and become depressed, help us to realize that you are a good shepherd, a good shepherd who does not make mistakes, who will keep us till the end. Oh, Lord. Yes, Lord, through what Jesus has done for us, through Jesus' perseverance, it is true that you can preserve us, not because we are worthy, but because of your grace, because you are full of mercy, because you are full of love, let this lead us to worship in every corner of our lives. In Jesus' name I pray.